Sunshine Radio, the hospital radio station for Western Supermare. Well, hello. And welcome to the Sunshine Cinema Club. I'm Marcus, and alongside me is Nick Chaffee. Hello. How's it going, Nick? Yeah, it's going okay. How, how are you? Chilly. It is, yes. It's, it's very <laughs> chilly outside. Never mind. We will uh, endeavour. It's the first time I've had to scrape snow off of my car for some years, I think. Well, I'm glad to say there's no snow in the studio. Yep. We're hot to trot. We're ready to go. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about Nick Chaffee. He's the man that loves movies so much that he's currently working on a film about a gang of car thieves who do rapid tours around the former capital of South Vietnam. Okay. It's something he's called Saigon in 60 Seconds. (laughs) On today's show, (laughs) we shall be reviewing Can You Ever Forgive Me? The true story of a biographer who tries to revitalise her failing writing career by forging letters from deceased authors and playwrights. And later on in the show, we have a film from the outer reaches of space as we look at whether The Predator revitalises the sci-fi action franchise with fresh ideas. Also, just for fun, in 20 minutes or so, I've got five famous film quotes for you and I need you to take part in our Take 5 film quiz and see how you get on against Nick. Right now, though, here is Nick with the Oscars news. Yep, so Roma and the favourite Vi for Glory at the Oscars 2019 with 10 nominations each. Roma, Alfonso Cuaron's memoir of childhood in 1970s Mexico, topped many critics' lists of 2018 and has scored 10 nominations, including Best Film and Best Director for Cuaron. Roma's success demonstrates the Oscars' acceptance of streaming giant Netflix, which it had previously treated with suspicion. Netflix has launched an expensive awards campaign, which appears to have paid off. Escaperous period comedy The Favourite, about political power games at the 18th century court of Queen Anne, also received 10 nominations, including Best Actress for Olivia Colman. With uh, 12 BAFTA nominations and a single Golden Globe win for Colman, The Favourite emerged as a much-liked contender as the war season has progressed, and a powerful vehicle for its cast, which also includes Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone, who were both nominated for Best Supporting Actress. A Star is Born, Bradley Cooper's directorial debut about a waning country icon and the unknown singer he mentors, played by Lady Gaga, picked up eight nominations. The film, which premiered at the Venice Film Festival last August, began award season as frontrunner before losing momentum. It secured Best Actor and Actress nominations for Cooper and Gaga, as well as Best Picture and Best Song, but was surprisingly passed over for Best Director. Also on eight nominations is Vice, the black comedy about Dick Cheney, Vice President to George W. Bush and Architect of the War on Terror. Christian Bale is nominated for Best Actor as Cheney, Sam Rockwell for Best Supporting Actor as Bush, and Amy Adams for Best Supporting Actress as Lynn Cheney. Bale was a popular winner of the Best Actor Musical or Comedy at the Golden Globes, where he thanked Satan as an inspiration for his performance. Black Panther, the Marvel superhero film starring Chadwick Boseman, clocked up a surprise seven nominations, including Best Picture and Best Song for All the Stars by Kendrick Lamar and SZA. Directed by Ryan Coogler, the film has won a string of awards, including Movie of the Year from the MTV Movie Awards, and was expected to be the main beneficiary of the proposed Best Popular Film category proposed by the Academy. However, the plan was cancelled after industry figures complained it patronised commercially successful films. 
Firebrand filmmaker Spike Lee received his first nomination for Best Director for his police drama Black Klansman, which stars John David Washington as a detective who infiltrates the Ku Klux Klan. Lee was given an honorary Oscar in 2015, and Black Klansman received six nominations in total, including Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actor for Adam Driver. However, no women have been nominated in the Best Director category, with Lynn Ramsey, Deborah Granick, and Chloe Zhao overlooked for You Were Never Really Here, Leave No Trace and The Rider, respectively, all of which have performed well on critics' lists and independent film awards. This means that only one woman, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird in 2018, has been nominated for the award since Catherine Bigelow became the first woman to win it in 2010 for The Hurt Locker. Green Book, the early Oscar front runner about the burgeoning friendship between African-American pianist Don Shirley, Mahershala Ali, and his Italian-American driver Tony Vallelonia, played by Viggo Mortensen, scored a disappointing five nominations, including Best Picture and Best Supporting Actor for Ali. Its uh, awards campaign has become dogged by controversy after the film's director Peter Farrelly apologised for sexual harassment and co-writer Nick Vallelonia apologised for an anti-Muslim tweet he sent in 2015. However, Green Book still remains a strong contender, especially after winning the key Producers Guild Award. Bohemian Rhapsody, the hit biopic of Freddie Mercury and Creed, emerged unexpectedly strongly from the Golden Globes, where it won Best Drama and Best Actor for Rami Malek. It has continued its successful streak at the Oscars with five nominations, including Best Picture and Manager for Best Actor. Its credited director Brian Singer, who left the production in controversial circumstances before the end of filming, has not been nominated. For only the second time in their 91-year history, the Academy Awards will not have a host after the resignation last December of Kevin Hart, following a backlash to re-emerged homophobic comments. Speculation had been rife that Hart would return to the role, but he declared himself uninterested earlier this month. The Academy have opted not to replace him and instead opt for a rolling cast of A-list presenters. This year's ceremony will take place on the 24th of February in the Dolby Theatre in Hollywood. OK, Nick, if I could put you on the spot... Mm-hmm. And I could say you have control of three Oscars. Okay. Uh, how, do you, how do you mean? Sorry. You can give three Oscars. Okay, right. Any three. Mm. Who, what, and why? Um, based on the nominations that have been announced. Yes. Okay, fair enough. Uh, ooh, that is a difficult... Okay, one I give hands, hands down. Best Supporting Actor, Sam Elliott's. In the Star is Born, because I don't think he's a he's been a uh, a front runner. I think most people have been talking about Marshall Ali from Green Book and Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me, both of which are very good. Richard E. Grant will talk more about a little bit later, but Sam Elliott really, really knocked me out with his performance in the Star is Born. He, I, I said this before, he puts more emotional power into simply backing out of a driveway than most actors do in in entire films. Okay, that's really really good. Okay. What else? Um, you know, I, okay, this, this is an easy one. Best animated feature, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> okay. Of yeah. course, our favourite film of last year. Probably one of my favourite films of the year, just regardless of uh, of the medium. And uh, having seen Roma uh, just just last night, I, I would say best cinematography would uh, go for go to Alfonso Cuaron for, for that one. Because, um, I mean, the film was very good. Um, I don't know if I would put it above some of the other contenders for best picture but the cinematography is is excellent because lest we forget Alfonso Cuaron he knows where exactly to put the if you've, if you've seen Children of Men or Gravity you know how good he is at sort of finding the exact right place for the camera to be to really sort of get the emotional punch of the of the scene right and Roma is full of countless moments that really really prove that Brilliant. thank you Nick that's okay 
Okay, let's uh, have a, a little rundown of the top five UK box office films and the top five UK DVD rentals. Bringing you music and entertainment 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Sunshine Radio. And we shall start at the UK box office at number five. We have Mary Poppins Returns, called Lord the Governor. Yeah. <laughs> Previously reviewed on the programme. And enjoyed. And, and we did enjoy it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Songs are good. Cast are, cast are excellent. Time will tell if it sort of stands the test of time, <laughs> like the original one has. But, yeah, really, really enjoy this one. At number four, we have Stan and Ollie. Yeah, this was this was OK. Six out of ten, I think, was the, the score. And it's, um, I mean, it's it's a nice enough film. It has that going for it. I mean, it's a bit like Mary Poppins, really. The cast are excellent. Um, in the case of Stan and Ollie, I don't think there was too much more to the film than that, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It's just uh, unremarkable in several places. Yeah, con- con- contrary to how remarkable the original duo were. At number three, we have Vice. Yes, which uh, I haven't reviewed on the programme, but I have uh, seen and was out last week. It's it's a weird one. It's uh, written and directed by Adam McKay, who uh, previously gave us the, uh, the the big short, which sort of... Uh, had like a very uh, cynical, uh, acerbic look at the uh, the banking crisis of the 2008 a few years ago. This sort of casts the same sort of eye on uh, Dick Cheney's vice presidency and his you know his, his entire political career up to that point. Um, it's very difficult to recommend because it is so cynical and sort of blackly comedic, and you know makes you quite angry in in places purposefully. But at the same time, there is one moment about halfway through where which made me laugh harder than. Just about anything else in the last couple of years, okay. so it, it's got that going for it. And Christian Bale is is very very good in the in the lead role. Now I've only seen a trailer for it, and I've seen Sam Rockwell as George W. Bush. <laughs> is he as good in the whole film as he is in the trailer? Uh he is. He's he's not in it as much as you might think. Oh. Um, but he is he's very good. I mean, he's you know Oscar nominated for that as well, which is uh, understandable. Excellent. Okay, number two in the UK box office, we currently have Mary Queen of Scots. Mm-hmm. Nominated for two Oscars. Yeah, um, costume and makeup. Indeed, which makes sense if you've seen the uh, the, the poster. <laughs> and at number one, we have Glass. Yeah. So um, you remember last time on the program where we I sort of highlighted that this is this was coming out, and I was really looking forward to it because I was a big fan of Unbreakable and really like Split. You were. And then I, I, I don't know if you remember, but there was a, a slight pause when I remembered all of the um, advance reviews that I seen from people on on Twitter and they hadn't been particularly positive and I think I then said I hope it's good it's not I I was massively massively disappointed by that I'm still trying to process um, where it went wrong for me Mm -hmm. because it is difficult to to place I think it's just just the the general execution of of the story and the the message that that M. Night Shyamalan is trying to but behind it, which is sort of you know, pertains to how superheroes and extraordinary people can sort of in, in inspire us to do to do great things. Um, but the, I mean, the film is a crushing disappointment on on several levels. The, the main reason being the way that it sort of plays out in the end, and I can't say how for for, for spoiler reasons. Spoiler alerts. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Maybe I don't know. Maybe by the time it comes out on DVD, I'll sort of have more concrete thoughts about it. I can talk about it a bit more. Okay. Well, let's have a look at the current top five UK DVDs. And at number five, we have The Greatest Showman. Yeah, it's hanging on in there. Yeah. Although, having since having gone up last time, it's now gone back down to um, fifth place, which is the, the, the lowest point it's been on the charts. 
well, since we've been looking at it. I think it's been in the charts Every for like week. 31 weeks in total. Yeah, yeah. It's outstanding. Um, number four, we have The Nun. Yeah. Oh, Greatest Showman, just okay, I thought, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, no, no, yeah, The Nun. Have you seen The Nun? Nope. Okay, don't. Okay. <laughs> uh, number three, Crazy Rich Asians. Should I, sorry, should I just go back to that and just justify why you shouldn't see The Nun? Yeah, go on, yeah, yeah. It's not very good. Okay. <laughs> it's really cheap. It's... He's trying to cash in on previous films, and... Oh, is it part of The, the Conjuring? It's not universe. very good. Okay. Yeah, so... None stars. <laughs> None stars. Yeah. Um, number three, Crazy Rich Asians. Yes, um, I've, I've heard this is really good. I've not seen it, and all I can say is it did well at the cinema. Yeah. So I think it must be worth a look. Sure, yeah. Number two, The Children Act, uh, starring Emma Thompson... Uh, now, this is a story about a judge who has to decide a case involving uh, a teenage boy who's refusing a blood transfusion on religious principle. Okay. Um, quite a debatable topic. Okay. And okay. you've also got Stanley Tucci mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. It's a good cast. Number one in the UK DVD rentals chart is King of Thieves. Speaking of good casts. Now, indeed, we have Michael Caine, Tom Courtney, Michael Gambon, Jim Broadbent, Ray Winston and Paul Whitehouse. Yeah. Brilliant. And this is the film based around the Hatton Garden jewellery robbery. Okay. Uh, and there was another film called The Hatton Garden Job, mm-hmm. which they managed to get out before this one. Okay. <laughs> and that was, I, I'd seen that. That was okay. Okay. Um, King of Thieves? Yeah. I, with that cast, it's got to be worth a look, hasn't it? Sure. <laughs> okay. Up next, let me ask you a question. How does a successful biographer become a successful forger? Well, stay tuned as we review Can You Ever Forgive Me? We are listening to the Sunshine Cinema Club with Nick and Marcus, and now it's time for the first film review of the show, which is Can You Ever Forgive Me? Rated 15. This is the true story of best-selling celebrity biographer and friend to cats, Lee Israel, who made her living in the 1970s and 80s, profiling the likes of Catherine Hepburn, Tallulah Bankhead, Estee Lauder, and journalist Dorothy Kilgallen. When Lee is no longer able to get published because she's fallen out of step with current tastes, she turns her art form to deception, abetted by her loyal friend, Jack. Going through. Lee Israel. It's Jack Hawk. Last time I saw you, thank you, we were both pleasantly some horrible book party. Am I right? It's slowly flooding back to me. You're friends with um, Julia Steinberg? Yeah. She's not an agent anymore. She died. She did? Jesus, that's young. Maybe she didn't die. Maybe she just moved back to the suburbs. I was confused there too. No, that's right. She got married and had twins. Better to have died. Indeed. I've just come from having my teeth bleached. How do they look? Why would you do that? Oh, teeth are a dead giveaway. Okay. Am I buy you a drink? Even though you are the posh writer. Thank you. Craigie, top her up. 
Can You Ever Forgive Me uh, stars Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant, who are both nominated for Oscars, McCarthy for Best Actress, and Richard E. Grant for Best Supporting Actor. The screenplay is also up for an Oscar as well. Now, Nick, this isn't a typical Melissa McCarthy vehicle, is it? No, uh, and, and I'm pleased that it's not, um, because I don't think the tone of, of the film she's mostly been a star of would be a, a good fit for this story. That's that's not to say that they've all been bad. Uh, Spy was good. Uh, I thought the Heat was good as well. Um, but it, it's good that she's starting to go for more nuanced roles, because she has proven herself to be more versatile than most people think. I, I think her performance in Bridesmaids was more interesting than people give her credit for, and she was also nominated for that as well. Um, and and I haven't seen Gilmore Girls, but I've heard really good things about her performances in that show. But but yes, this is a, a huge improvement on, on, on much of her past work. Still still playing a somewhat abrasive figure, but it's a character that's being forced to deal with the, the fallout of choosing to be that kind of person in public, which is something that's made very clear in the, uh, the very first scene. And she's really relatable uh, as a result. Even the, the, the scheme she uses to make money isn't uh, as much a, a get-rich-quick scheme. It's just it's just to raise enough funds to get by and keep living the modest life she's accustomed to. I think it's a, a perfect example of how to take a character who isn't particularly nice, may not even be likeable for, for some people, and perform them in a way that lets us get really invested in their life and uh, in, enjoy just spending time with them. It's, it's richly deserving of the Oscar nomination, I think. And then on a similar note, Richard E. Grant, also Oscar-nominated, and also playing a character that I, I enjoyed spending time with. Very similar to uh, Whitnail, that has to be said, um, as I think that, that clip made clear, but that's no bad thing at all. Uh, Richard E. Grant strikes me as someone who really, really enjoys acting in any capacity, and that enthusiasm is, is something that's carried over to the character he's playing. Um, it's, it's just good to see him, I think. <laughs> Uh, I also want to quickly highlight uh, Dolly Wells, who uh, plays one of the shop owners that Lee Israel sells her letters to. Again, a, a very nice presence in the, the few scenes that she's in, who um, also a character who has a big effect on the larger plot. Uh, she's an actor people might recognise from TV comedies, who was in a, a couple of episodes of uh, Peep Show and the IT crowd. It's, it's good to see her moving on to, to bigger things. One of the things that uh, surprised me most about this film was how much I appreciated the setting. And th this might just be a, a personal favourite, but when it, there's something about movies set in New York that really uh, show off the city that I really enjoy. Um, if, you, if you think of um, things like Mean Streets, uh, Do the Right Thing, Francis Hart, e even Ghostbusters, I was, I'd say, would fall into that particular category. Um, and Can You Ever Forgive Me hits the same same mark. And that, that feels like a choice by the director, Mariel Heller, um, that suggests that this is a story that could only take place in, in New York City. Um, and it's also nice to be told that it's possible to live in a place with multiple independent bookshops within walking distance that are all doing so well business-wise that they'll happily give you hundreds of dollars in cash for <laughs> for rare letters. Thanks, Nick. Well, let's get a Sunshine Cinema Club rating then. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. The uh, The story... I have to say is, is a bit of an open and shut case. I think if you watch the if you watch the trailer, every major plot point is is in there. Um, but that doesn't take away from the the excellent performances and uh, and locations and and camera work. It's so it's just a really nice way to spend a couple of hours. <laughs> and just going back to the the lead characters or lead actors, mm -hmm. I read that they weren't the originals for the roles, and I read that Julianne Moore and Chris O'Dowd were lined up. Yes, it's a project that's been in um, in development for 
a while. Um, I think Richard E. Grant has talked about this. The the, the person he's playing in in real life wasn't um, was American, um, was quite young and had, had blonde hair. <laughs> Um, and he sort of did ask the director, do you want me to sort of play it with an American accent? But she said, no, just just do 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 you, basically. <laughs> but um, the cigarette holder apparently was something that um, that Jack Hawk did have in real life. So that's the that's the only <laughs> true part about that character. Because they were so good, I couldn't imagine anyone else in those roles. This is this is the thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you, Nick. Well, still to come. Let me ask you this: Do you remember in 1987 when Schwarzenegger took on a deadly extraterrestrial in a classic action sci-fi film, Predator? Well, we'll be sharing our thoughts on the latest instalment, The Predator. But up next is the Take 5 Film Quiz. This is the Sunshine Cinema Club on Sunshine Hospital Radio, and now it's time for our Take 5 Quiz, where I shall perform five film quotes, and I'm just asking you to identify the film, name the film, and as a bonus, if you want to, name the actor that said the line. Mm. Now... But that's, that's necessary for me to get the point. Nick has to do both. Yeah. Or else it's no points for you, Nick. So here we go. Five film points. Let's start with number one. This is one time where television really fails to capture the true excitement of a large squirrel predicting the weather. This is one time where television really fails to capture the true excitement of a large squirrel predicting the weather. That's appropriate. Okay, quote number two. McLovin, what kind of stupid name is that, Fogel? What are you trying to be, an Irish R&B singer? McLovin. What kind of stupid name is that, Fogel? What are you trying to be? An Irish R&B singer? <laughs> Did the film ever examine his uh, sort of uh, train of thought for choosing that particular name? I can't remember. Hmm. Not that I recall. Film quote number three. There's only two things I hate in this world. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. There's only two things I hate in this world. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. Full title? Full title, please. Film quote number four. I am your father's brother's nephew's cousin's former roommate. I am your father's brother's nephew's cousin's former roommate. Okay. And finally, film quote number five. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. Have a little think. About those five. And we'll do that with the answers. 
Sunshine Radio, the hospital radio station for Western Supermare. Available free on your telecall bedside entertainment unit on Radio Channel 7. Okay. You feeling confident, Nick? Uh, yes. Okay. So on, on the ones that I have. <laughs> so, let's start with film quote number one. This is one time where television really fails to capture the true excitement of a large squirrel predicting the weather. Very appropriate, because we are recording on Groundhog Day. Um, and that's the name of the film. And the actor's Bill Murray. Correct. And correct. And as a bonus just for fun, what was the name of the character that Bill Murray played? Oh, I don't know. Grumpy Grumperson. <laughs> no, that would have been good. Phil Connors. Okay. Okay, number two, McLovin. What kind of stupid name is that, Fogel? What are you trying to be, an Irish R&B singer? Uh, super bad. Yep. It's uh, Michael Sarah. Correct. His character name? Cycle uh, Mirror. Evan. Oh. Okay, number three. There are only two things I hate in this world. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. Oh, some blast one up. This, this is one of the, um, one of the first DVDs I, I ever owned. I got this DVD for Christmas the yeah. year it came out. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, the film... To give it this full title is Austin Powers in Gold Member. Correct. And the actor, believe it or not, is Michael Caine. <laughs> Correct. I came out in 2002. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a while ago. Uh, Michael Caine play, playing Nigel Powers. That's right, yeah. <laughs> okay, number four. I am your father's brother's nephew's cousin's former roommate. Um, I think clearly playing on The Empire Strikes Back, but I've got no idea this one. Spaceballs. Ah, uh, okay. From 1987. I haven't seen it. Uh, that was said by Rick Moranis, playing uh, Lord Dark Helmet. Yes. Yeah, I've heard. Okay. <laughs> and number five. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. Uh, who, who framed Roger Rabbit? Correct. Um, and it's well, the character voiced by Kathleen Turner. It's correct. Because the character in question was animated. That is right. And can you name the character? Uh, uh, Jessica Rabbit. That's right. Yeah. Not wanting to make you feel old, but do you know what year that film, film came out? Before I was born. 85? What year were you born? 89. Oh. It came out in 88. Okay. <laughs> Up next, now listen to this, a classic quote from Predator was uh, Arnie shouting, Get to the chopper! Well, this is advice you may like to consider after we review oh. The Predator. <laughs> now it's time for our DVD to rent review, which this week is The Predator, rated 15. From the outer reaches of space to the small town streets of suburbia, the hunt comes home. The universe's most lethal hunters are stronger, smarter, and deadlier than ever before, having genetically upgraded themselves with DNA from the other species. Well, when a boy accidentally triggers their return to Earth, only a ragtag crew of ex-soldiers and an evolutionary biologist can prevent the end of the human race. Dr. Brack. Thanks for coming. I'm sure you have questions. Oh, just two, actually. Okay. Why do you call it the Predator? It's a nickname. You know, the data suggests that it tracks its prey 
exploits weakness, seems to, well, enjoy it. Like a game. That's not a predator, that's a sports hunter. Sorry? A predator kills its prey to survive. I mean, what you're describing is more like a bass fisherman. Well, we took a vote. Predator's cooler, right? Yeah. Found his escape pod in Mexico. Still looking for the ship he came in. He's heavily sedated. I'm gonna guess your second question is, why are you here? Our test results yielded something a little odd. Is this a joke? We ran the genome sequence ten times. This specimen has... Human DNA. Yeah. But we know about spontaneous speciation. Mostly plants and insects, but... But some mammals, sheep, goats... Uh, yeah. The red wolf is known to be a hybrid between the coyote and the gray uh, wolf. Possibly some form of recombinant technology. Guys, yeah, guys, guys, so guys, guys, I get yeah, it, we'll... I get it. You want to know some an alien? Ah, oh, that brings it all back. The Predator was directed by Shane Black. Now, he also wrote this uh, alongside Fred Decker. Let me just tell you a bit about Shane Black. He appears in the original Predator in 1987 playing Hawkins. Mm -hmm. And at one point, he was the highest paid screenwriter in Hollywood. He wrote Lethal Weapon, uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Iron Man 3, and uh, recently The Nice Guys. Yeah. An impressive enough All selection films, yeah. very good Fred Decker on the other hand he wrote and directed Robocop 3 now Nick when this film came out last September are you are you going to skip over the fact that they're called Black and Decker I was going to <laughs> I, uh, there are so many things that we could pick up on I'm glad you did anyway. okay. when it came out in September Nick yeah. um, this was universally met with uh, disdain by both critics and audiences alike. Why did we watch this? I was curious. I mean, I didn't think it would turn out to be, uh, you know, a sort of unappreciated masterpiece. But I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Shane Black, um, and I, I, I just wanted to see how he'd uh, approached this particular franchise that he was, you know, previously a, a star of. Also. And I would always bring this up. Bad reviews from other people don't necessarily mean that we'll dislike a film too, because Labor Day was a, a film poorly received by just about everyone, and and we both quite like that. That was a good film. Yeah, I'll stand by that. People people make fun of it a lot on, online, but you know, I, I think it's it's a it's a really it's a perfectly fine melodrama. I think. So, with regards to this film, I I quite like this one too. It it it, it does have some massive problems. I'll get to those in a bit, but I would be I would be lying if I said that I didn't have a lot of fun watching it. I laughed out loud many times, and I think that's because two of the things that the film gets right are the cast and the dialogue. And good dialogue is, is pretty much a given with uh, with a Shane Black script. He sort of you know essentially invented the the modern action comedy with Lethal Weapon and, and the Last Boy Scout as well. But um, Obviously, a script doesn't perform itself. You need a, an ensemble cast that can deliver it. And I felt that the, the various actors in this film are a perfect fit and sort of know exactly what, uh, what, what, what kind of film they're making. I mean, there's people like um, Boyd Holbrook, who was in Logan, and Travante uh, Rhodes, who was in Moonlight, and you know, people like Thomas Jane as well, who have all been, all been good in, in, in previous films on their own. But the way that they, they all sort of gel together in this film was is, I, thought, I thought it was really entertaining um, Sterling K. Brown as well makes a, an excellent villain 
as well as well that was a a nice surprise um but yeah as far as positives go that's about it but it's it's a big positive to me i think regardless of what the rest of it's like a film if a film can get a great cast of likable characters i'm on board for the for the duration even if they do uh, murder a, a lot of a lot of people this is a very violent movie um i'm surprised it only got a 15 actually it's kind of it's sort of kind of cartoonish in, in its violence but then, then again maybe that's why it's not an 18 because it's so so over the top um i i think i can see what shane black was aiming for with the the, the story i think this is a film that attempts to uh, take stock of all of the all of the predator films to date although the first one didn't really strike me as one that was designed to be sequelized but they you know they, they made them anyway and we have to deal with it um, so it sort of, I think, it attempts to take stock of all of those and then put its own unique signature on it, like a combination of the, the sci-fi horror action from the first film, and the more uh, comedic stylings of, of Black's previous films. That was the intention, I believe, but I, I do have to confess the finished product is a, a bit of a, a mess, mostly because I think based on the editing, this is clearly a, a much longer film that has been just edited down mercilessly with all of like the, the dead air taken out of it the the action scenes work to a, a certain extent but the, the plot makes very little sense there's a lot of uh connective tissue missing and it it, it is tempting to think that uh, somewhere there's a, a cut of this film which which does work and ha- has all of the cut scenes put back in but on the basis of how long this version is we'd be looking at a at least a three hour running time which is obviously way way too long for um, a movie of this particular genre. Uh, so not only did they cut out several scenes, such as how does Olivia Munn's astrophysicist know how to fire all these guns and uh, where did all of these guns come from, they also apparently cut some corners when it came to the visual effects. They are, um, to put it mildly, quite bad. And it's not a big issue to begin with because the first half of the movie, the uh, the Predator is a, a man in a physical suit. It, sort of, it looks okay. But as soon as other extraterrestrials are introduced it sort of it lets the film down even further it's especially in the um the final couple of scenes and, and in fact i'd say that the very final scene is like awful across the board there's, there's no saving it um but because it's the very final scene that's the last <laughs> the last thing you the last thing you see and the, and the thing that you take away from it so to put it mildly it's uneven <laughs> okay well i'm I'm going to discuss this further with you, but yeah, yeah. let's get your Sunshine Cinema Club rating okay. out of ten. Okay, five out of ten. Oh. I, I it's it's incredibly stupid, <laughs> but enjoyable despite that. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say I've in, I have greatly enjoyed incredibly stupid films before. Not all of them were as badly put together as as this one, but there's a, there's, a, there's like a line. There's you know. I've got previous when it comes to this sort of thing. <laughs> if anything I've said in this review has piqued your interest when you listen to this, I'm, I'd say give this a shot because you might find it to be worth your time. Because again, I'll, I'll say this: it's a, it's a mess. It, it doesn't completely work, but I did enjoy myself all the time that it was on, and not because it, in a, like a so bad it's good kind of way, but because there were some moments of sort of. Uh, maybe not brilliant, but <laughs> there, there are enough moments to keep me going. Um, like it's it's a couple of snacks, but it's not a decent meal. <laughs> well, it's got a pace. I'd get it that. I mean, I I would say um, 
and four out of ten would be, would be generous. Um, oh, maybe it comes down to expectation. Going into this, I, I looked at the director and the writer, and I thought, right, Shane Black, okay, now we're going to get back to the good stuff. I'm a huge fan of the original film. Maybe it was, it was a, a film of its genre, of its time, where it just ticked all the right boxes. I, I think it holds up. I, I guess, I mean... Because I enjoyed it when it originally came out. Um, I don't know. You're the better judge of that than I am. And I was hoping for some more of the same, really. Mm. And and I didn't get that. I I just felt it was so full of cliches. And even hearing that clip back earlier, it just sounded like a, uh, somebody had made like a comedy version of The Predator. And... Maybe that's that's a whole new genre of films. I, I think that I think that's partially what they were going for, though. Well, they, they achieved that then. Okay, they achieved that. Uh, there was a rumor that, that that was going to be the first of of three films. Yeah, those aren't. Oh, I hope not. I mean, I, I I enjoyed it to a certain extent, but even I wouldn't. Uh, I would I wouldn't come back from the next one. <laughs> um, do we have to leave it at five out of ten? Because oh, the C four, I don't mind. Are you, are you, can we knock it down? Because I, I felt, I felt disappointed. Okay, that's fair uh, enough. But I, I get where you're coming from. So if you are into films that are, are a little bit rubbish, that like you don't mind that. If you like a bit of schlock, like I do, <laughs> then uh, then the Predator is for you. Yeah. Well, sadly, we're fast approaching the end of today's show, but we do have enough time to tell you some of the upcoming releases on DVD and at the cinema. Yeah, so um, following on from The Predator, if you uh, want to see more films which um, sort of have monsters in, don't quite work, but are still sort of mildly entertaining, Venom is out on DVD. <laughs> Tom Hardy? Yes, um, Tom Hardy's incredible in it, and is also the only reason to watch it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and then um, on the 11th of February, uh, Star is Born is finally out to release, which means we will finally get to review it properly, um, instead of me sort of waxing lyrical about it in uh, one minute segments. Absolutely, and we should have the results of the Oscars by then, to have heard. No, no? there's a, the 24th. Oh! So show after next we'll be talking about results, uh, maybe, depending on how interesting they are, um, and how angry I am if Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody has won anything. Um, at the cinema, uh, coming out the 8th of February, is um, If Beale Street Could Talk. This is the uh, the, the new movie uh, directed by Barry Jenkins, who previously wrote and directed Moonlight. And this is uh, based on the <laughs> Moonlight. Moonlight was a, it was a big thing. It, was, it won Best Picture uh, a couple of years ago. It's good. You should see it. Okay. 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 And this is based on the uh, novel of the same name by uh, James Baldwin. I've, I've seen this. I saw it uh, a few days ago, thanks to a uh, advanced screening. And it's um, sort of similar to uh, what I said about Can You Ever Forgive Me. It's just a really nice way to spend a couple of hours. Really, okay. it's a sort of it's one of those movies where the the plot isn't. Um, uh, as, as palpable as most movies that people might see, you sort of just sort of follow this. Uh, well, these people in, in a relationship, sort of through a, a small segment of their lives, and you just sort of enjoy their company and you know, some of the, uh, the the strife that goes along with it. And yeah, it's really, it's I mean, it's mostly nice. There are some sort of um, issues of uh, uh, racial injustice. Okay. <laughs> so it's not it, <laughs> it's not a completely relaxing watch, but it is uh, engrossing. In, in that kind of relaxing way, if that makes okay. sense. Um, and then also out on the uh, same weekend is, been looking forward to this one, the, the Lego Movie 2, 
the, ah. the second part ah. is the official <laughs> subtitle. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think different director from the first one, but it's still Phil Lord and Chris Miller writing the script. So uh, my expeditions are sky high. <laughs> big fan of their work. Um, you know, big fan of the first one, weren't we? Absolutely. Did we? Did we ever make a top ten for that year? Oh, I'm casting my mind back now. No, I, I don't. Know maybe not. But um, I mean, we, we certainly hold the first one in very, very high regard, as we did with um, uh, Into the Spider Verse, which was produced by them. Yeah, really, really excited to see what they've uh, come up with for this one. Absolutely. Well, there you go. That's it for the Sunshine Cinema Club today. Thank you very much, Nick, and as always, thank you for joining us. Take care and get well soon. To find out more about Sunshine Radio, visit our website at www.sunshinehospitalradio.co.uk.